Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 112th program in this series. In the previous program, I was in John chapter 17, verse 17, where I spoke about the subject of sanctification at the end of the previous program. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And this is similar to verse 19. If you were to look ahead to verse 19, he said, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And in the previous message, I explained that sanctification in this context just simply means that a person is set apart. They are set apart because they believe the truth that our God has revealed. In verse 19, Jesus said that he has sanctified himself, and for their sakes I sanctify myself. He sanctified himself by living according to the truth. And we are sanctified, we are set apart because We believe the truth that he has revealed. The predominant belief, the most popular belief in Christianity, has been that sanctification has to do with removing all of the sin from your life. By no longer committing sin or engaging in sin, that that's what it means to be sanctified from a religious point of view. I simply do not agree from what I understand, from what I can tell, It means that we are set apart for an intended purpose. Those who live by the law or a form of law or a law that they define for themselves will say that sanctification has to do with living by their laws, living by their rules, their principles for daily living. And this is what sets them apart from the world, their behavior sets themselves apart from the world, that they don't behave in the same way, that they don't engage in the same kinds of sins. However, anyone who will spend a significant amount of time with a church will recognize that the people there struggle with the same kinds of sins as the people in the world struggle with, and they may very well commit these kinds of sins just as often as other people who reject God entirely, that this is just simply not what has happened in the history of the church at all. There can be ways of identifying a reduction of sin in certain people's lives in some ways. However, there are opportunities for other sins to manifest even more so within the Christian structures. And these sins have to do with the religious pride that tends to be manifested and encouraged through the religious systems 
that have been embraced by Christians throughout the centuries. And so while, yes, in some cases you may see some sins not present so much, but you'll see other sins that'll be manifested. In addition to that, a lot of people who embrace Christianity just simply are not tempted by certain kinds of sins that the world will tend to try to promote and encourage. So people can be divided naturally just because of the kinds of sins that they are tempted with, that there are some sins that are more acceptable within a Christian community than other sins, and so people can be divided just because of the temptations that they struggle with and not necessarily have any divine intervention happening within themselves because of their unique beliefs in God. As I have spent time with various different kinds of congregations of people, I have found that this tends to be the case. And so I have a preference for the definition of sanctification and to be sanctified, which is a legitimate definition to just simply be a person who has been set apart. And in these verses, I think it's reasonable to see that we have been set apart because we believe the truth, because we have embraced the truth. Again, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. And this doesn't have to be defined by the knowledge of good and evil. It's defined by the establishment of the new covenant, a covenant with a God who we know a covenant with a God who has done all for us already and has given to us an inheritance with which we are able to live our daily lives. And our maturity and our growth in Christ has a lot to do with discovering what we have in Christ and how we might be able to apply what we have in Christ Jesus in our daily lives. And so this is how I explain sanctification. Like I said, it is not a common explanation. You'll find that many other people will want to direct themselves and others towards the life of removing all of the sin out of our lives and so that we can declare that we are sinless or close to it, in effect. Now, in verse 18, Jesus introduces a new topic, and that has to do with us being sent out into the world. Now, I have been speaking about this as I have been in John chapter 17. I have been speaking about this subject already, but this is where Jesus really gets into it, that he speaks about the importance of us going out and sharing the truth with other people, that this is something that he desires. Now, up to this point in his ministry, He has been speaking to the disciples, and they have been able to know and understand some things. They can believe that he is. They can believe that God has sent him. They can believe the truths that he has revealed so far. But like he said, there is a whole lot more that's coming, and these things are going to be revealed to them through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And these are things that they just simply are not going to be able to understand right now. They can understand some things, but in comparison, they understand very little. In comparison with what our God is going to be revealing to people in the context of the new covenant, these things that will become real because of his death and resurrection. 
Now, there are three subjects that I would like to address in the context of these verses. The first subject I would like to address is his own ministry, which was quite unique. And this is important because in verse 18, he said, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, to understand the uniqueness of his ministry is important because it's very easy for people to make the assumption that God is going to send us out and do the exact same things that he sent Jesus to go and do. And this can be a reasonable assumption considering what Jesus said earlier about the works that I do, you will do, and greater works you will do than what I have done. He said that earlier, and I explained that in the previous chapters. So there is a place to say that what we do may be similar to what Jesus does. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to happen with everybody, with each person. We can look back on history of 2,000 years worth of history, and we can see that this has definitely been the case already, that the ministry, the life of people who believe in Jesus is not going to be identical to the life that Jesus lived, to the ministry that Jesus was engaged in. In other words, we are our own individual persons. We are children of God individually, and our God relates to us in an individual way. And so I need to spend some time talking about the uniqueness of his ministry. The other two issues that I would like to address are the opportunities for us to go out and do things on our own, that we can decide to go and tell others about the truth of our God. And then the third topic has to do with our God sending us specifically to engage in works that he has prepared us to do. All right, so the first subject with regards to the uniqueness of Jesus' ministry, we have to remember that that was his ministry and that these are things that are unique to what our God wanted to accomplish at that time. What did Jesus do? He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He died for the sins of the world. He talked to the religious people in aggressive ways in order to explain to them that they did not succeed in living in obedience to the old covenant, to the satisfaction of God. He spoke to the religious people who had a background, who had a life, who lived in a specific way, and it's unlikely that you are going to encounter people who live in the same way that these people were living at this time. It's unlikely that you'll find people who have the same knowledge and background and education and understanding of the way that the world works. It's unlikely you're going to find people like that today who are similar to the people who Jesus was speaking with. I mean, you may find some similarities, but you're not going to find similarities that are close enough to say that you're going to engage in the identical ministry as Jesus engaged in. And so when people describe the Christian life today in the context of what would Jesus do, well, what Jesus did is different from what we are going to do today. There are a lot of differences because the world is so different now in comparison with the way the world was back then. There are similarities, but there are many differences. 
And just because of that, you cannot live your life in accordance with what would Jesus do. Because what Jesus would have done back then is quite likely very different from what he would do if he was here today. And so don't be so surprised if what we do is different from what Jesus would have done. What's important is to keep our focus on knowing the truth that our God has revealed. And as I briefly mentioned in the previous message, it's not so much the truth. The truth is the stepping stone, but what is really of great importance, of significance, is that we may know the person of our God, that we may know him as a person. The truth is what clears the obstacles that will prevent us from knowing our God as a person. I can participate a lot in revealing the truth that God has revealed. You can participate in the lives of other people to help them to understand the truth that God has revealed. And when we speak to others, when we relate to others in the context of the truth, we have been set apart because of the truth that we know and the truth that we believe. But when we share these truths with others... It usually has to do with helping them clear the obstacles in their lives. Those things that they believe that are not true, that prevent them from knowing their God, from knowing the love that he has for them, from knowing the acceptance that he has for them, from hearing from him about anything, because what's he going to say? What's he going to share if you believe a lot of things that are not true? He has to get through those things. He has to get past those things, around those things. And this happens when these obstacles are cleared out of the way. When we, as people, believe the truths that he has revealed about the way things really are and about the way he really is. From there, we can testify about him as a person. I can testify about him as a person. But if you are going to know him, the only way to really know him as a person is if you know him as a person directly and personally. You cannot live by my testimony of who he is as a person. You have to get to know him yourself. I can tell you about him, but unless you have a relationship with him personally, unless you and him are relating to one another, unless there is some degree of communication between the two of you, even if it is just as simple as him illuminating to you passages in the scriptures in ways that you know you would have never understood without his spirit dwelling within you. Something as simple as that is profound, is a way to say that you know him, you know his heart, He is relating to you. He is speaking to you in simple ways. And this is something to be appreciated and enjoyed. So the truth is what makes all of this possible. But the truth in and of itself is not the end. It is only the beginning. There is a huge difference between having an intellectual enlightenment of your God and knowing your God as a person. Again, there's a huge difference between having an intellectual enlightenment of your God and knowing him as a person.
All right, now in verse 18, again, Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, he's referring to the disciples, but in a moment you'll see that he's also referring to all of us. All of us who believe in what the disciples recorded that we have available to us in the scriptures. Now, being sent can be divided up into two different categories. The first category, of course, has to do with him specifically relating to us, communicating with us, and asking us to be a part of something specific that he is involved in at the time that we are living our lives, that there is something that he is doing in the community or in the world that we are a part of, and he asks us to join in and participate with something that he is doing. That's one category. The other category has to do with us just going out on our own without being specifically instructed by our God or without his specific request of us, we can just simply decide to go out and share the truth with other people about who he is, whether he has specifically directed us to do so or not. If you consider that we have a relationship with our God, that's the objective. It is for us to have a relationship with our God. And in this relationship that you will hopefully have and develop with your God, you're going to discover that because of that, you will have a change in your life, a change in your person. You may experience, hopefully you will experience, a greater sense of peace in your heart, a greater sense of joy in your heart because of the truths that you now know and understand that have enabled you to know the God who you have, and through embracing these truths and relating to the God that you have, you may receive the love that he has for you, the acceptance that he has for you, and you can very well experience the peace of God in your heart. We would hope that this would take place. We would like this to take place. I expect that this will take place within a person who pursues him as I have described in accordance with the New Covenant. A person can experience a sense of joy in their lives. And as you experience these things, as these things become real to you, as you really do enjoy having this relational experience with your God, it's reasonable to expect that you would like other people to know your God as you do. Wouldn't you like other people to have a sense of peace in their lives? Wouldn't you like other people to have a sense of joy in their lives? Now, it is possible that if you don't want other people to know your God, if you don't really want them to know the peace and the joy that they could have, it could very well simply be because you don't have a lot of peace and joy in your own life, and you don't know him very well. And if that's the case, just consider that to be where you are right now in your life and in your relationship with him. But understand that we do expect that as we continue to pursue a knowledge and understanding of our God, that these things will be real in our own lives, and we would like other people to experience these things also. And we can just go. You can just go. You can go and talk to whoever you'd like. Whoever you have access to, you do not need 
a specific mandate from God to give you specific guidance to go and tell other people about Him. You don't need that. You can go on your own. The way that I like to describe this is that the God who dwells within me is going to come along. I'm going to go and do this, and I'm going to bring him with me. To be sent by our God can very well include something like this just because it is a reflection of the change that happens within us as people because of what he has done for us. And I believe that we should all be open to opportunities such as these. The other category has to do with God specifically asking us to do things. Now, this would open up a new topic, such as how would we know that he is telling us to go and do things. I can only testify of my own personal experience. I would expect that others would have a different kind of testimony with regards to this. But I personally can only tell you about what I know and what I understand when it comes to this subject. Now, the way that I understand that my God has asked me to do things for him is that the way that he spoke to me about certain passages in the scriptures when I was studying them, he would give me illumination, he would give me understanding about things that he said and about the things that the Apostle Paul wrote and the other disciples wrote. Through this illumination, I would describe it as hearing his voice. And after a while, there were times when he, through the same kind of voice, would speak to me and ask me to do something for him. Now, in my own life, I found in my early years in Christ Jesus that this would happen about every two years. And this was just my life. This doesn't mean it's going to be yours. It just means that this is my testimony concerning how I came to understand this. Then in my own life, I found that it was about every two years, he would send me to go and speak with specific people about specific things. And after the conversation, which would take place in maybe an hour or two hours or four hours, after that exciting interaction, he would show me that, look, I prepared you for these two years. I prepared you by helping you grow and mature and giving you insight and understanding and wisdom so that you could go and speak with these people effectively for a short period of time, but it would be a lifelong change for these individuals and for yourself. So that was my experience in my early years in being in the faith, that my God would spend a lot of time preparing me for an event that he would send me to. He would prepare me to go and speak with specific people. And from what I could tell, he was doing a work in their lives also, preparing them for what he was preparing me to share with them. And so I can testify of this. I can testify of these experiences in my own personal life. And there have been many of these as I have lived the Christian life for many years now. And there may be some more in the future that I have no knowledge of and I don't have any idea what that might look like or what these things might be. 
If there are none, I won't feel like God has abandoned me or that I'm not a part of his ministry anymore. I'll just continue to do things as I would like to do and speak with people about what I already know and what I already understand. But I will be sensitive and patient and responsive to my God when he does direct me to do something else specifically for him that he has prepared for me to do. And so these are the two different ways to handle this. You can go do things yourself. You can go and speak with others yourself. Or he might very well ask you to go and do things on his behalf. Either way, there will be a fulfillment of verse 18 when Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. He sent his disciples, and in effect, he will send each one of us. Or we can go as his representatives. This is open-ended, a life for us to live. Thank you for listening. This is the 112th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 17, verses 17 through 19, but I was spending most of my time in verse 18, where Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, referring directly to the disciples and referring indirectly to us in this day and age, as well as all the other believers in between. The living God sent Jesus to perform specific tasks and tell the people specific things that were related to his time. And our God will relate to us in a similar way to direct us and guide us to speak with others according to the circumstances and the time period that we are in as we relate to the individuals who we come in contact with. It is a living experience that we will have as our God sends us to be his representatives. But we can also go on our own. We don't need to wait for our God to direct us specifically. We can go and express to others what our God has revealed to us, just simply out of our own desire that other people experience peace and joy as we have. And we are free to do this, and our God who dwells within us will go with us as we reach out to other people in this way. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.